Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. We are uh, starting this series today. We're talking about parenting. How many of you guys would just by show of a single hand would say that parenting has always been difficult? Parenting has always been difficult. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, now, how many of you would say that if you were a parent like me uh, and your, your kids are grown, and so maybe you parented kids at, at some point, uh, but, but how many of you would say by sign of two hands that parenting is probably more difficult today than it's ever been? Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. All right. That's double the hands. It's because I asked you to raise both of them. Um, but but I, I absolutely agree with you. I think that parenting today is way harder than it's ever been. Uh, for my, my bride and I, we have three kids. A little bit about our family. Uh, our kids are now all adults. They're all unmarried. Uh, our family is just some background on us. We are a mixed family or a blended family in that, that uh, I had two kids coming into the marriage and uh, she had a kid coming into the marriage. And so there, there's, uh, we've got three kids, one of each, and uh, that's what I like to say. All right. Some of y'all need to drink your coffee and get on board with it because this is going to be a wild ride here. It's a little bit, a little bit bumpy. Gonna, uh, but, uh, but we have a mixed family dynamic and in that uh, um, we also, so I have my, my twins, my twin boys, and she had her daughter. My daughter is also biracial. And so uh, they're growing up. She, she has, uh, we walked with her through the tension of, well, and if you're biracial, you understand this. So please understand, I'm not misspeaking. I'm just speaking from her perspective of she's too white for the black people and she's too black for the white people. And so this, we walked with this tension. We, we've had to walk this out together. Our family is, we, we've not had a perfect family, uh, but, but it's been good. Our kids went to public school and, and they were not as sheltered as I would like them to be. They were certainly exposed to way more things way earlier than I prefer. I remember when my kids started riding the bus, uh, they did that in first grade. We trusted them that much. Like, hey, you, you're first graders. You guys are going to be fine. There's a bus driver. And uh, then we put them on the bus. And one day my boys came home. And we, I remember this moment because we knew we were going to have to start. We, we knew at some point in time that we were going to have to talk to our children about sex. We knew that was going to come someday. We did not expect that to happen the first week of first grade, okay? And the boys come into the, the kitchen and they said... Hey, dad. And they asked me, what is this? The first thing I did was look at their sister and I said, did you hear what they said? And she goes, no, dad, I didn't hear it. I said, go to your room. You're not in trouble. I just need you to leave for a minute. And I said, what did you say to me? And they said, they said those letters again to me. And I said, okay, um, let me just, where did you hear that? First of all, right? So <laughs> like, like they were exposed to a lot more things and we had to have conversations way sooner than we intended to. But uh, that's fine. That's fine. Eventually, uh, at about nine and 10 years of age, uh, my kids became PKs or what are known as pastor's kids, right? And all three of them grew up knowing and loving Jesus. But I want to be very clear uh, that they were not perfect. And that's because I never expected them to be perfect. God didn't expect them to be perfect. It does not expect them to be perfect. Uh, and so if you think that we are the perfect Christian family because I'm a pastor, we are, but not really. <laughs> not at all. Uh, my kids weren't and aren't perfect. Shanda is certainly not perfect. She's, she's more perfect than I am. 
but she's not perfect. Somebody's sleeping on the couch. It's cold down there, babe. So uh, anyway, I'm, ki- I'm kidding. We don't do that anymore. Um, so <sighs> perfection was never the expectation for my kids. And I was very, very clear about that with them because I understood that pastor's kids, there's an expectation for pastor's kids. You expect them to be a certain way because they are pastor's kids. Like They should know better, but I never wanted that for them. I just wanted them to be humans who knew God and loved him. And I have to say, parenting was a joy and still is, but it was never easy. It was never, never easy. And I think parenting has always been difficult. And I think now even more so because we've got all kinds of issues that kids are dealing with today that, are, that have rapidly expanded, things, things that we just didn't have to deal with uh, back in the day. I'll say that back in the day. I'm 45, right? My kids are 21 and 20. But, uh, but kids today, they're, they're, they have more mental health in, issues that are impacting them at an alarming rate. They're overwhelmed with anxiety. They are battling depression. They are victims of bullying. And they are facing issues years and years earlier than we ever did as adults. And it's crushing them at a ridiculously young age. One of the things that we do as parents is we give them one of these things. We give them a smartphone, right? And we say, here, you're eight years old. Go have fun with it. Just go and live your lives. But the problem with these things are we have difficulty. Yes, I know there are apps and there are settings and things that can help you monitor and control what they see on those phones. But let me tell you something. Your kids are smart and they are driven. And the reason they are driven is because of all the peer pressure they face on a regular basis to be just like everybody else. They will wind up having secret phones and secret accounts and secret accesses to things because they're smart. If you think your kids are stupid, they might be making a stupid decision, but they are smart. And we hand them this smartphone that has access to everything that they never, ever wanted to see. Truly. We'd say, have fun. Enjoy it. Enjoy this tool that has been made for adults so that you can play Minecraft on it and use it to destroy your future. Oh, come on. Don't tell me that's not happening at alarming rates with our kids. You know what was amazing about my childhood? I did lots of stupid things, but there's no evidence of it. Everything a kid does nowadays, they have to film it and put it on some social media account. And every stupid thing they do, because we do stupid things as kids, don't we? Some of you are like, I did something stupid last night. I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm an adult. Everything is documented for them because they're after the likes They're after the affirmation. They're after the fame and the celebrity status. They're looking for it. They're craving it. They're longing for something that is absent from their lives and it's destroying their futures. We've basically given them porn in their pockets. We are hurling them into the world of TikTok and Snapchat. We're exposing them to gender confusion, sexual perversion, and ungodly influences. They have unlimited access to information that is stressing them out beyond recovery. We have to pay attention. As a kid, I remember watching this movie that terrified me. And I didn't have the emotional intelligence to understand it was just a movie. Does anybody remember watching the movie Arachnophobia? (laughs) Dear Lord. 
That terrified me as a kid that spiders were gonna take over the world and kill us all. That if I ever had a spider in my shoe, and you can ask my wife, she has literally chased me around the house with me screaming as high-pitched as I possibly can and running, skin just crawling. She's got a dead, a dead spider in her hands. I've gotten into therapy and gotten some help. It's fine. Now I crush spiders with my hands because I'm a manly man. But for years, thank you. But for years... That terrified me, and it was just a movie. It was a made-up story. And nowadays, kids, they're literally watching the horrible, despicable things that are happening in the Middle East, and they're watching it happen live. What Israel and Gaza are doing to each other is despicable. What's happening? You say, Aaron, aren't you Jewish? Shouldn't you be on one side or the other? I'm on human and humanity side, guys, and I think the acts that are being done are terrible. And the kids are watching them. It's not a movie. It's live. It's real life. They're able to tune into that. And it's wrecking them in real time. And as Christ-centered parents, what I know is that we want our kids to know God. We want them to love him. And that's why we're doing this series. And we're calling it Parenting on Purpose. And today's topic, I want to talk to you about how to help your children love God. And I want to start in, in, in Scripture because this is, this is specifically where we need to be as parents. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, there's something called the Shema, which is a very, very popular prayer. As, as far as the Jewish people goes, this is something that they would pray morning and something they would pray night. They would put their hands and they'll rock. And you'll, if you've ever seen that, they're oftentimes they're praying the Shema. And, 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 and here's what it says. It's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 Uh, through nine, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. See, as parents, what this verse is telling us is that if we are to parent on purpose, we can't just be cultural, casual Christian family. We cannot be that. We need to be a family that is Christ-centered. You say, Aaron, what's the difference? Well, just because you called yourself a Christian family because you put that adjective in the front of the name family does not mean that you are following Jesus. There's a lot of people that do that. But Christian is just the adjective that describes how they want to be perceived. It is certainly not the way that they behave or the way that they live their lives. You say, well, I'm a Christian family. I believe in God. Good. The devil does too. Congratulations. You say, well, I like the, the morals that Christianity teaches. I like the values that it teaches. But I'm not completely surrendered my life to God. I'm a cultural, casual Christian. Cultural, casual Christians, well, we pray when things get bad. We might talk to God about them. We might pray at Thanksgiving dinner. We might be people that, that well, when we go to church, we go to church for Christmas and Easter. We call those Christer Christians. Christmas and Easter, it's just a combination of the two. It's not that clever, but it is funny. <laughs> or you're like, well, you know what? Maybe, maybe. So we'll go Christmas and Easter, and we'll also go for the shindig because the shindig has cake, and it's a lot of fun. We're going to go. You're a Christian family, and it's mostly in name 
only, not really in life, but being a Christ-centered family is very, very different. A Christ-centered family is one where your entire family's life is focused on and centered around God. The understanding that loving God is your highest calling, and that's what you as a family set out to do. Everything in your life is surrounded and centered around Him. Your relationships, your finances, your sexuality, your thought life, your careers, what you watch, what you listen to, what you say to others, and what you say about others— Everything is pointed at Jesus. He leads us, we follow. Whatever the Bible says, like it or not, it's for me. That's a Christ-centered family. There's no picking and choosing like salad bar Christianity. That's how a lot of us want to approach our relationship with God. Well, I had me some of this and I'll have me some of that. I used to do salad bars too. My salad oftentimes just looked like a pizza by the time I was done. You know what I'm saying? So I'd put pepperoni, cheese, and bacon on the top of that salad. Mm. unfortunately it had a lettuce crust but that was fine I didn't care (laughs) salad bar Christianity says I'm going to take the stuff I like and spit out the stuff I don't I'm just going to refuse it and say that's not for me but a Christ-centered family is sold out Bible believing all in Jesus following family And as parents, we understand that in our kids' lives, in their early years, no one has greater influence on them than you do. Nobody does. That means that we need to have God's truth in our own hearts in order to be able to impress it upon the hearts of our children. Notice that's how the scripture goes. It says that we need to have have God's word in our hearts, and then we can impress it on our kids' hearts. That's how we're supposed to do it. We need to talk about, this scripture is very clear, that that our relationship with God needs to be everywhere. It needs to be discussed. It needs to be talked about over breakfast. It needs to be talked about on the drive to school, at dinner time, before bedtime. That that true Christ-centered family, the truth about them is is that God is not part of their lives. He is their lives. God is not an add-on to their lives, an optional feature. He's not a nice cushion to fall back on, the cosmic vending machine in the sky or your crystal ball. He is our life. That's the difference. This is good preaching today. I'm just telling you. I know you're just keying in and you're listening. That's good. But I need you to hear this. There's a difference in being a cultural, casual Christian. Christ-centered looks very different. So what are we doing wrong as parents? Well, I think there's a lot of things that we're doing wrong, but today I'm I'm gonna talk to you about three things that I think we're doing wrong as parents because our kids are desperate. Our kids are afraid. They are suicidal and they are confused about who they are. Why? Because we've got some things we can do better. Today, I'm gonna give you three things that we're doing wrong. I'm gonna give you a couple things that we can do to set it right. Next week, we're gonna talk about it even more. But there's a few things that we can do better. And so let me answer the first question. What are we doing wrong? And the first one is, is we risk too little. I'm gonna give them all to you and then we're gonna discuss them. The second one is we rescue too quickly and we model too weakly. We risk too little, we rescue too quickly, and we model too weakly. So let's look at the first one. We, we risk too little. And a lot of families today, risk adversity is the deal. That's everything that we are focused on. It's kind of like the movie Finding Nemo. If you've ever seen that movie, Marlon is all about protecting his kid from anything ever happening. And Dory comes along and says, you can't protect little Harpo from everything. She says that because she's got bad memory. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but she's right. But as parents, we try to protect our kid from anything happening to them. We, we, we want to keep them from experiencing any kind of pain. 
That's one of our top values. We don't want our kids to hurt. We don't want them to have a hard time. So we try to keep them safe. There's a term for this and it's called a helicopter parent. I'm gonna read you the definition. If you've never heard this, a helicopter parent is a term for a parent who is over-attentive and overly fearful of a child's experiences and problems, particularly outside the home and at educational institutions. Helicopter parents are so named because like helicopters, they hover overhead, overseeing every aspect of their kid's life. Now listen, I'm not the guy, this was like before my generation, I'm not the guy who's like, you know, we walked to school uphill both ways in the snow and our bare feet, and I'm like, that's the life we need to go back to. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that that a kid needs to have a hard knocks life. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not preaching that message. But what I am saying is that my experience as a kid wasn't so bad, because I don't know, I'm 45. If you grew up in my time as a kid in the summertime, you know what happened every single day after you had breakfast? You got kicked out of the house. It doesn't matter if mom was home all day long, you got kicked out. Go play. My parents put a pool in our backyard so that I would be motivated to be outside. I was not an outside loving kind of guy. I'm still not. I like the indoors. I like, I like comfort. But I was made to go outside every day and I wouldn't come home until I got hungry. Or the rule was in general, come home before the street lights turn on. Anybody relate to that? You say, well, Aaron, how did you eat? Well, I just, whenever I was hungry, I would either, I would eat at a friend's house or I would come home. Who knows what I was gonna eat that day? What'd you do when you were thirsty? I'll tell you what I did when I was thirsty. It's called a garden hose. Now, I wasn't dumb enough to just put my mouth up to it and turn the faucet on because that's how you got bugs and the warm water. Gross. You let it run for a second, and then that was the freshest stuff ever. You want to talk about, like, brightening you? Just, just get a drink from a water hose, man. So good. You know what I mean? Anybody with me? Loved it. Some of you are like, that's just so dangerous. There's so, many, so much bacteria in there. You know what? Keep drinking the bacteria. Your body gets used to it. It's fine. Good Lord. But we had no cell phones, no GPS trackers. We didn't have any of that stuff on us. We had no sack lunch. My, our parents just didn't want us to die or hurt anyone. You know what I'm saying? Like just you don't die and you don't make someone else unalived, okay? That, that's the rules. Our parents loved us, but they didn't obsess about our safety. They just didn't. When I was a kid, I'm telling you, I was a kid, I rode my bike on the sidewalk up and down my street way outside of my mom's view. Now, my mom is going to watch this later, and we're going to have a conversation, I'm sure, but it, this is a true story. I was a little kid, a wee little lass, and I rode my bike down to the corner because that's where I was allowed to on the sidewalk, and one day I rode down, and as I was coming back, the neighbor who lived on the corner starts backing out his car. Why well, I'm not a dummy. I don't want to get hit by a car. So I stop, I wait, the guy stops, so I think he sees me, so I keep going. He didn't. As I got past him, he backed over me and ran over me, crushed the back wheel of my bike. I'm obviously fine, thanks for your care and concern. <laughs> but but he, he helped me get back to my house. He carried my bike back and explained what happened. I was, I was across the street from where I lived in an abandoned school's field behind there with a golf club and a girl. This is not a good scenario. And I was teaching her how to putt and she decided to go for it. And she swung that thing, hit me in the head. And I'm now laying on the floor. I had my favorite t-shirt. It had a little Holy Spirit dove on it. And it was like one of those ringer tees. And I was bleeding everywhere. And I had a man that I did not know, take my shirt off, put it on my head and walk me home. I had to get stitches for that. 
And still my parents did not obsess about my safety because I'm mostly fine. <laughs> they let us walk to school. Yeah, this is explaining so much, right? <laughs> they, they let us walk to school alone. When I was a kid, my dad had a, uh, a, a, she, a she, I think it's a Chevette or a, um, and it was a hatchback. And, and, and we rode in that hatchback, no seatbelts. When I was a kid, we'd ride in the front seat. No seatbelts. You know why? Because I had mom, and mom loves me more than any seatbelt ever could. <laughs> I still do that to this day. To my wife, to my grown kids, if I'm stopping hard, I don't care that everybody's wearing a seatbelt. <laughs> my arm goes out. I catch people. I do. <laughs> now, I'm not saying we need to go back to that. Not at all. I'm just saying it's a very different time. Today, we've got parents who... Like, I think we need to have our kids wear helmets and, ha- and wear their seatbelts and do all that stuff. I just don't think they need to have seatbelts on and a helmet on to go down to the end of the road to get the mail from the mailbox. I, I just don't think that that's, I don't think they need elbow pads and knee pads to do that. Okay? I, I just don't think it's necessary. I think it's wise to protect our kids, but we need to let them grow up. We need to let them have some experiences in life. And in an effort to protect them as helicopter parents, what we've done is we've robbed them from confidence. We've robbed them from experiencing pain and it's caused them to be so pain and risk adverse, they just won't attempt to do things. You know, today there are 20 year olds who are just afraid to drive because it's just too risky. Uh Uh-oh, I might be hitting somebody a little close to home. There are grown adults in their 20s that struggle to fill out a job application. There are some, it is noted, this is a common thing. Parents show up to job interviews with their kids now. (laughs) my kid's fine. He's great. Let me tell you all about how awesome he is. Mm -mm. You're going to be dealing with mama. Anyway, sorry. It's becoming very common. There, There are kids who won't order food at a restaurant. This happened to me once. My daughter brought a friend along with her. We went to a restaurant. And I said, okay, go ahead and order what you'd like. And she's like, hey, I'm just, I don't, I don't, mm mm. I said, huh? And then I, I learned what's going on is there's just so much social anxiety, she just won't order food. And I was like, well, she doesn't order. She's not eating. That's just the way that goes. She didn't eat. Say, Aaron, that's just so mean. Is it? No. Nope. Some of you don't like me anymore. That's all right. We have robbed our kids of the opportunity to even learn how to believe in themselves, to experience pain and get through it. And to come out the other side stronger, by taking away all risk, we've also robbed them of developing a faith in God. Because when you go through difficult things, that helps you develop your faith in God. In fact, in Hebrews eleven six, 6, it tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible. So we've risked too little. We rescued too quickly. These are called lawnmower parents. I don't know if you've heard this before, but a lawnmower parent will mow down any obstacle that their child might experience. They'll rush ahead to intervene, saving the child from any potential inconvenience, problem, or discomfort. Some of you really don't like me today, and that's all right, I got you. What happens with a lawnmower parent is like, little Johnny forgets to do a science fair project. And what happens? Well, mom stays up all night long till 2, 3 a.m. finishing little Johnny's science fair project for him. He goes to the science fair, he wins state, mom goes all the way and celebrates. Little Sally forgets her jacket and she's cold. 
So she texts dad in the middle of the day, it's cold. Dad leaves work, goes home, gets the jacket and takes it to Sally. You know what we should have done? We should have let little Johnny fail so he understands what it's like to to potentially fail that or to stay up all night long and figure out, I don't like this because I'm now tired and I didn't do as well as I'd like to. We should have let little Sally be cold for the day because you know what? It's called consequences. Consequences are a great teacher. But every time we rescue our kids from experiencing consequences, we fail to let them learn that they need to prepare better. We fail to let them learn the lessons that they need to learn. We rob them of consequences and great teaching moments. Galatians 6, 7 says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. You reap what you sow. We rob our our kids of God's natural consequences. And no wonder they don't fear God because you reap what you sow. Last week, I read the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. I won't read it to you again. But if you weren't here, uh, this is a story, a parable, if you will, that Jesus made up to get this spiritual truth across. And he's talking about a son who comes to his dad and he messes up really, really bad. He insults his dad and says, I wish you were dead. I want my inheritance that I would get if you were dead and I want it today while you're still alive. So he dishonored his dad. He goes out and spends all of the inheritance in wild living. And in other words, he's partying hard. He lost everything. He wound up in a pig pen and no one would give him anything. Nobody helped him at all. And what happened? The father never rescues the son in the story. He lets the son experience the consequences of his choices. And the son has a revelation and an aha moment where he wakes up and says, it's better at my dad's house. It would be better to be a servant in my dad's house because he felt like he'd already killed the opportunity to be a son. He said, I'm going to go back. I'm going to repent. I'm going to rethink. I'm going to go home. And the loving father, he doesn't say, I told you so. No, no, no. He welcomes him home, but he never, ever rescues him. And that's a huge difference from a helicopter parent and from a lawnmower parent. So we risk too little. We rescue too quickly. And the third thing I think we're doing wrong is we model too weakly. We model too weakly. We are in danger of being Christian in name only if we are cultural and casual Christians. And if we're not serious about our faith, how in the world can we expect our kids to be serious about their faith? If you're not taking it serious, how how can you expect your kids to? If God's truth is not in your heart, how can you expect it to be in their hearts? It's just not something that's going to happen. When it comes to your parenting in the early years, you need to understand that for your kids, more is caught than is taught. So what I'm trying to say to you is it doesn't matter what you say to your kids. It's actually how you behave in front of them that matters more. Because they're watching you. Your children don't just become what you say. They become what they see. I could say it a different way and say, monkey see, monkey do, right? That's the same thing. You won't become, or they won't become what you say to them. They'll become who you are. Like produces like. This is the way things go. Now, you can try to make them what you're not. You can do that. You'll fail. You say, oh, no, you don't understand. Aaron, I can be, I can restrict them. I can ground them. I can make them respect my authority. All right, possibly. 
Possibly. But if you're not somebody who respects authority in your life and in your worlds and in your circles, they're not going to respect your authority. That's just not what's going to happen. They're going to behave like they see you behave. They'll become little versions of you, good and bad. And I have days that I celebrate when my kids are like me, and I have days that I weep when they're like me. <laughs> it's true. Because the good and the bad. Parents say, do what I say, not as I do. But that only works as far as your level of fear and control can go. You can ground them. You can punish them. But internally and eventually, they'll become what they see, not what you say. They'll rebel against what you say and become what they see. Fastest way, in fact, to drive your kids away from God is to be hypocritical, is to model this relationship with God weekly, or to, to, to say one thing about God and do another, to proclaim that you are a Christian, a Christ follower, but you're not. You don't pray, you don't tithe, you don't serve, you don't forgive people, you don't read your Bible, you're selfish, you're a control freak, which demonstrates you don't trust God. Mm. You want to drive your kids from God? Be a hypocrite. In fact, Jesus said this in Mark 7. He's talking about the, the prophet Isaiah who, said, who prophesied this about, about, about these people. He said, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. In other words, you people that say you're Christians, but you're not. He said, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips. Got a good talk, but their hearts are far from me. They don't got a good walk. They don't match. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, I want to be really clear. We're never going to be perfect, ever. We're never going to walk this faith life out perfectly. That's not the point. But if we consistently say one thing and do another, we are hypocrites, and our kids will run from the things of God. So we risk too little, we rescue too quickly, and we model too weakly. So what can we do? What can we do better to help our kids love God? Now, I'm going to answer that a bit today, and we're going to give you a little bit more next week. In fact, Pastor Derek is going to be speaking next week, which I encourage you to be here. Uh, I love listening to him communicate. He's an excellent communicator, and I know that he has a heart uh, for his daughter and that they are raising her well, and I cannot wait to hear what he has to share with you. So make sure you're here. Don't miss it. But what we can do better to help our kids, sociologists talk about this thing called the law of exposure. If you've never heard of this before, it just means that the more you're around something, the more you become like it, okay? That's the law of exposure. And in parenting, it plays out this way, that who and what you expose your children to will shape who they become and what they believe. Who and what you expose your children to will shape who they become, and what they believe. Next week, we're going to talk about the who. This week, we're going to talk about what we can expose them to. Because if we consistently expose our kids to bad attitudes, over-sexualized images, materialism, perverted thinking, prejudices, ungodly values, and living a life of offense, if we continue to expose our kids to such things, they will undoubtedly become more like those things. They will live their lives far from God. We cannot expose them to them if we are to live or parent on purpose. So what do we know? It's simple. We know this, and we're not stupid. You know that, that I'm not trying to make you force your kids. In fact, we know we can't force our kids to love God, but we can expose them to the people and experiences that increase the likelihood of spiritual growth. 
That's what we can do. In fact, that's one of the prayers that I pray for my kids. If you've ever prayed, prayed this prayer for anybody that is far from God or that you want them to have a deeper relationship with God, one of the things that you can pray according to scripture is found in Matthew 9, 38. Jesus said, pray, pray that God sends out workers into the field. And how that, what that translates to for you to pray is like, hey God, put people in my kids' paths. And that's what we'll talk about next week. But God, put people in my kids' lives who will influence them and lead them to love Jesus. On the job, at school, teachers, put people in their lives that will influence them towards a relationship with Christ. So I pray that for my kids, especially when they're outside of my influence as a younger kid. But I was also purposeful about the environments or rather what I exposed my kids to. And that's how we need to be. I did that and we need to do that so that we can increase the likelihood of spiritual growth for them. So what experiences should we expose our kids to? There's two I'm gonna share with you. First is expose them to the joy of knowing God personally. That seems so simple, doesn't it? But it's not, it's easy to say, but not easy to necessarily do because we want them to see us know God. We want them to see us worship God, to need God, to be convicted by God. To, to, to experience like, man, I've been messing this up. I've been sinning against some people, sinning against God, sinning against myself. I need, to be, I need them to see that I'm experiencing conviction, that thing that leads us to repentance, to change our lives. We want them to see God change us. We want them to see us experience God's power, his presence, his purpose, and his peace in our lives. We want, we want them to see us take joy in God, no matter what our circumstances, right? We want to, them to see this in us so that it's something they will want for themselves. We want them to see that. Jesus described the life that he had for us. And I want you to note that it's not about behaviors. It's about the relationship. He says this in John 17, three. Now this is eternal life. What follows this, this little colon here is what it's all about. That they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. That's what eternal life is all about. You want to have the full and fulfilled life that Jesus offers? It's not about what you do. It's about who you know. It's about knowing him. And you can know God. So how do we expose our kids to this kind of life? It's simple. Create an environment where your kids want to have discussions about God. Not that they have to, but that they want to. Create an environment. What does that mean? It means that, that you are going to create an environment for your kids where they want to talk about God. You are going to connect the dots of your life to God at all times. A Christ-centered family will do this naturally because everything in your life is pointed towards him. You'll have conversations with your kids on faith, on serving. Talk to them about why you're serving. You can have conversations about prayer, about joy, all these kind of things. Peace should be a normal conversation. Make God the most talked about subject in your home so that it becomes common for them. It becomes common. How? Well, when you're experiencing the blessings in your life, which by the way, we are very blessed people and we take a lot of those blessings for granted. You could be driving to work one day or driving the kids to school and say, you know what? I just want you guys to recognize we are so blessed. There's a lot of people that don't even have a car and we've got a car. God's blessed us with a car. Come on, somebody. Help them understand that we are grateful. We are thankful for what God has. We, we don't want to take things for granted, right? Like the food that we eat, eating three square meals every day. You know, I, now I know this is going to sound funny the way I said, you know, there's kids starving in Africa. I don't know if your mom and dad ever said that to you as a kid when you didn't want to finish the food on your plate, right? 
Mine did. There are kids starving, starving in Africa. And it's like, do you want to send it to them? You get, you get slapped around for stuff like that, you know, when I was a kid. Um, for, for, <laughs> for asking stupid questions like that. Um, not that I know. Connect, connect the kids to God's blessings in your life. What, how are you blessed? Go out and serve others together and talk about it. When, my, when I was younger, I, I distinctly remember going to a grocery store, buying groceries for somebody, showing up at their door, dropping it on their doorstep and doing a ding-dong ditch, running and jumping into the car and speeding away. And my parents told me, because Scripture says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing, that if you want to God to bless you, then you don't show up and show people. See, nowadays when we do something kind for somebody, we have to film it and put it on TikTok for everybody to see. And the Bible says that's your reward. You can go ahead and have those likes. Even if you get your channel monetized, you can go ahead and have that. But if you want to be blessed by God and be rewarded by God for doing those things, then the God who sees in private what you do without doing it publicly will reward you openly. This is scripture. My parents talked to me about that as a kid, so I understood the value of not showing up and being somebody's rescuer, but just simply saying, God was going to bless them. We're leaving them groceries. We're leaving them an envelope full of money. We're walking away. We're not even going to tell them that we did it. Hmm. If you see them act God honoring, maybe, maybe they had a, a rough, rough game and they lost and they still were good sports about it. Say something about it. Celebrate the fact that they were very God honoring in their attitude. Connect the dots for them to God. It's so simple to do. When you live a Christ-centered life, it's even easier and normal. It's important that we make your home a safe space for them to talk about God because when they have questions, and by the way, your kids will have questions, your home needs to be the safest place for them to talk about God and ask questions. It needs to be because they're going to have them. And then we also know that if we want them to be exposed to a relationship with God, that no relationship with any person blossoms without conversation. Talking with and listening to someone is how that relationship grows. So model talking to God. You pray first. You be somebody who prioritizes that. You be somebody who seeks God in his word. You be somebody who stands on scripture. I remember when my kids were younger, I, I, a, a verse that I always used and was taught to use as a kid was when I was afraid, there's a verse in Timothy, uh, that, that Second Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 7, that says, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power love and a sound mind. So my kids, I'd send them, okay, guys, it's time to go upstairs and get your shower. It's time to go get in your bed clothes. I don't want to go upstairs by myself, dad. I'm scared. God did not. And I would make them say it back to me. God did not. Come on, Trent. God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power. And my kids, I'd make them do a, do a power stance. Power. Teach your kids scripture. Teach them how to stand on God's word. You do it first, and then you teach them how to do it. I prayed with our kids before they went to school. Prayed with my kids through heartaches. Prayed through my kid, with my kids in tough situations. Decisions they needed, needed to make as they got older. You prayed about that? You talking to God about that? We created an environment where it was important. We prayed for them when they were sick. Prayed for them during bedtime. We talked to God. We talked to God ourselves. We talked to God with them. 
I even taught my kids how to hear from God through the scripture. It's something called SOAP. It's, a, it's a, an approach to how you study God's word and how you learn to let the Holy Spirit speak to you daily as you read his word because God wants to speak to you. I taught them how to do that because it's fine to talk, but we also got to learn to listen to God. Amen, everybody? And I taught my kids how to do that because there's life in those pages. There's life for them. And even as young people, you don't have to be a theologian to have the Holy Spirit teach you something from Scripture. Mm, it's good preaching here. I'm just telling you, it's good stuff. One of the greatest joys I've ever experienced as a Christ-centered parent is the day that your heart is broken and you're going through a tough time and your kid comes in the room and goes, let me pray for you, Dad. The days that you walk in and you find your kid unprompted, you didn't tell him to do it, but they're reading scripture and going, do you know what God said to me today? Do you know what's in this thing? Do you know it says that if you just have a little bit of faith, you can speak to a mountain and it'll move? Yeah, buddy, I do. Watching them discover God's word. Watching them converse with him and having him work in their lives. You say, well, Aaron, my kids won't read the Bible. They won't if you won't. In fact, invite them to, read, to do a Bible plan with you. Get one. Say, hey, let's do this week-long one. They'll love it. They'll be like, wow, that was really great. Yeah, let's discuss scripture together. One day what's going to happen is you, as you continue to expose them to a relationship with God personally, they'll say, you know what God's talking to me about? You know what he's doing in me? They'll have their own faith. It won't be a secondhand faith. It won't be your faith anymore. It'll be their faith. Your children need to experience and be exposed to the joy of knowing God personally. Second thing I think we need to expose them to, and, and I'm done, is expose them to the presence and power of God and his church. I'm going to get in your business for a second here. We need to expose them to what God is doing here in this church through these people in this church. Psalm 92, 13 says, those who are planted, not casually here or blowing through, you're planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of God. You want their relationship to flourish with God? Plant them in the house of the Lord. Make sure they're here on a regular basis because see a cultural Christian family, they go to church whenever it's convenient. But a Christ-centered family will be at church when the doors are open. They are planted, and they will flourish as a result. Don't get mad at me, but let me ask you the question. What's not optional in your family during the week? Lots of things. Going to school is not optional. You're going to school. Doing your homework, that's not optional. You're doing your homework. Going to the doctor or the dentist, that's not optional. If it is, you should fix that. It's not. <laughs> going to work isn't optional. For your kids, having activities, whether they're doing sports or they're in band, they sign up for it. My kids, I was like, if you sign up for this and I pay for this, you're doing it. There ain't no backing down, so you need to understand this is what the commitment is because I'm not going to let you off the hook. Many of you are the same way with your kids. Their activities are not optional, but church which should be paramount for us as Christ followers, seems to be optional every week. Do you know what no one ever asks in my house? Hey, are we going to church on Sunday? Now, when we were a cultural Christian family, because that was certainly a season in our life early on, that was definitely a thing. But even before I was a pastor, you're like, Aaron, you've got to, this is your job. You have to be here kind of thing. But before I was a pastor, that was not a question we asked. That, that wasn't a thing. It's not because I'm a pastor. It's because we're a Christ-centered family. We weren't missing church. 
In fact, when I go on vacation with my family, I go to church. Now, they opt for not going to a church building. They opt for like doing a family devotional over at the beach at sunset, which is just gorgeous. And why not? We absolutely should do that. I participate in that too. But I go to church because I love going to church on vacation. The last two years, I haven't actually gone to church on vacation. I went to church online from the pool. Bless the Lord. There ain't nothing like that. Let me tell you something. It's a good time. But prioritize church. If you do, your kids will. Your kids will follow their lead. In fact, if you want this to become their church, if you want them to have some ownership, give them a stake in it. Let them start serving. As soon as they're able to, as soon as they understand what that means and how to, let them start serving along with you. Because the moment they start serving here at this church, they start owning. It's my church, not just the church we go to. They can serve coffee with mom. They can serve uh, with, with dad in the kids' ministry. They can join the host team and greet people and help them find seats. They can clean the building with mom and dad. We've got a family that cleans our church every week, and oftentimes they bring their family to come in and clean together. Like, why not? If you do this, they're not going to want to miss church because it's their church. It's their God. And it's their ministry to others so that they can make a difference. Because you know what? One thing is missing from most kids' identity is their purpose. They don't know why they're here and they need to know. Hmm. If you often prioritize something over church, and I'm saying often, if you often prioritize the big game, or if you often prioritize the lake or sleeping in, or, well, the weather's just too bad, um, or, well, the weather's just too good, we're not going to go to church today. If you often prioritize something over church and never prioritize church over something else, you are clearly communicating your values to your kids. You're letting them know what's important. So my question is, as I wrap this up today, what if we didn't do it right? What if we've been... And we recognize we are cultural, casual Christians, but we want more for our kids. Here's the answer. Start today. Start today. You need to be a Christ-centered person first, or your kids just never will be, or not because of your influence anyway. If you want that for them, prioritize you. Prioritize your relationship with God. You do it first. Even if no one joins you, you get up and you read your Bible in the morning. You pray first. You be a tither. You be somebody who reorganizes your life to be able to give above and beyond to difference makers so you're prioritizing advancing God's kingdom. You be somebody who does that. You live your life that way. If you want them to, you get to church. You prioritize it. You do it. If nobody goes with you, you go through growth track, become a member of this church, get on a team and serve. You live your life in such a way that you are gonna leverage all you have so that you can reach people far from God because you understand that's your chief assignment here. Start now. You be Christ-centered first. Moment of transparency. I've been a pastor for nearly 11 years, and I've done a parenting series once. Truth is, is I've, I've got some stuff in my own heart to unpack and deal with because I didn't do a lot of it right. And I feel like because I messed up so much of it, how could I ever stand up here and tell you how to do it? Truth is, is my family and I were cultural Christians, casual, for a long time. Yeah, I grew up in a Christian home, so I understood the values and I understood things to do with them, but I wasn't very purposeful and I wasn't very intentional. 
I did a lot of things wrong. I wounded my kids' hearts too many times to count. I was angry. I was unrepentant. I was unloving at times. I exposed them to things I'm not proud of, things that I said, things that I did, things that I showed them. I carry lots of pain in my heart for not being purposeful. I do. I do. I carry pain in my heart for not being intentional with my own relationship with God so that they could see that their entire lives. But something shifted in me. Something changed about 14 years ago. I became Christ-centered. Jesus healed my heart, set me free from addiction. My anger faded as I learned to forgive. My marriage grew stronger. I found purpose, peace, joy. God changed my entire life. I learned to allow the Holy Spirit to convict me, which meant that he was letting me know when I was messing up. And my heart began to be hurt when I sinned against myself, against God, and against them. And it led me to coming to them saying, hey, I'm really sorry for what I did. And it led to me going, hey, please, I just need you to know that was not okay. And my kids were so great as they always are. They're like, it's okay, dad. I'm like, no, it's not okay. What I did to you was not okay. The way that I raised my voice, that thing that I said, that thing that I did, the way that I acted towards you is not okay. Don't give me a pass. What I do need is your forgiveness. And if you'll forgive me, I'll let God work on my heart so that I never, ever do this again. I began walking it out with my kids. And my kids will tell you, they had two different dads over the years. For a long time, I was this Jekyll and Hyde character. They never knew when they were going to get Hyde or Jekyll. It's very different today. And I know it's heavy stuff, but I want you to know that what my kids saw was God working in me. Was God transforming me, changing me? And for years, I've shied away from teaching this kind of series because I messed up too much, I think. Thanks. Truth is, I was wrong to not talk about these subjects. The fact is, is that I'm not perfect. I was a casual Christian. But now we're a Christ-centered family and we're still not perfect, but that's not the point. And that's what my team said to me. They said to me, they said, Aaron, you know, it's not about the fact that you weren't perfect. It's about who God is and what he's done in you. It's the fact that you weren't perfect and he still forgave you and transformed your life. And that got to be on display for your kids. I'm not perfect, but God, he is. He's just that good. And that's what it's all about, my friends. God changes everything. So if you recognize today that you've been a cultural Christian, casual one, start today to be a Christ-centered one. Change. Say, God, I need your help. Because let me tell you something, it doesn't matter how long you've been walking in the wrong direction, nothing is ever wasted when it comes to God. It's never wasted. Start today, repent, turn to God, go all in. Your kids are going to be watching and God will be at work. I think every parent is aware of the fact that their influence, it's short. Your time is short. The window is closing every day on your level of influence with your kids. It matters. And I think we all know we can't force our children to love God, but we can expose them to the people and experiences that increase the likelihood of spiritual growth. Gradually, 
what will happen is if you continue to expose them to proper environments, to the right people, what will happen is they'll grow up and they'll transfer this dependence that they have on you as parents to their relationship with God. And that's what you want for your kids, right? We want to parent on purpose. That's what we want to see. We want to see them depending on God instead of on you because that's a thing to celebrate. Kids that are fully spiritually mature. So let's parent on purpose together. Amen, everybody? Let's pray. Lord, do a work in our hearts, God. I know, I feel your spirit working today. I can feel there's some conviction in the room and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with how you're having me get in everybody's business today. I know some people don't like me and that's okay. I'm all right. But I'm praying for those that are experiencing conviction. I'm praying for those that are experiencing some sorrow in this moment because they recognize, I've been doing this casually. I've been a cultural Christian. Right here and right now, Lord, I pray that you help us to surrender. And right now, actually, I'm just praying, if that's you right now, I just, just have your own conversation with God. Tell him, I, I surrender. I need you. I want to be Christ-centered. I don't want to do this anymore. I need you. Just surrender to Jesus. Put your life in his hands and trust him completely. Follow him. Do what he did. Live and love like he did. Father, help us to live a life in such a way that we're not just focused on what's here and now, but we're focused on what's to come. That eternal life, but also the full and fulfilled life Jesus says we could have here on this earth. That's the promise. It comes from knowing you, not from anything we can do. So God, help us to know you today. In fact, as we pray this prayer in this room, if that's you and you're ready to know God, to go all in, to be Christ-centered, to follow him fully, I'm gonna pray a prayer. If you wanna be included on that prayer, whether this is your first time or maybe this is your return to a relationship with God, would you just let me know you're praying that prayer with me? Would you just slip your hand up and say, Aaron, that's me today. I'm saying, yeah, I'm gonna go all in. Push my chips in the middle of the table. I'm gonna be Christ-centered. I'm doing it, hands up. Yeah. Let's everybody pray together. If you're, on, if you're watching online or listening to the podcast, you can pray right, right where you're at. If you're driving your car, please don't close your eyes to pray. <laughs> Say, Jesus. Everybody pray together. Say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life and forgive me. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, the Bible says that heaven's having a party. Simple Church, celebrate with those who said yes to Jesus today. Come on. It's a good day. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step into, make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the, the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. 
The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship, where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit www.mysimple.church giving. We are so thankful you joined us today. Hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again, and we'll see you at next week's episode.